We are ready to have Pastor Michael Quinlan if he wants to come on up here. He's got a message today on passion and pursuit. Yes. Correct? That's all right. right. It's all yours. Thank you. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Oh, good. God is good. And all the time. And that is his nature. Yes. We're going to get there. Praise God. I'm so excited to uh, get to speak to you all today. Uh, I, this message was very easy for me to write because it's very much the spirit of, of what I believe and kind of who I am. Um, and you know, people talk about uh, different preachers and pastors who have different types of anointings, okay? Say so this guy is really anointed in the healing ministry and the prophetic. And I always kind of wondered where I thought my anointing was really was really kind of flowing in. Um, and uh, you know me, I love working with missions. I'm, I'm a member of the military. I love doing hard things. Uh, I like doing difficult stuff. And you know, I started realizing what my anointing was by the criticisms and the feedback I was getting. <laughs> so, so something that people say to me a lot of times is, it's really, I get really uncomfortable when you're preaching. <laughs> I said, yeah, I get that. You know, and then other people kind of say, wow, you're really intense sometimes. Like, sometimes I just need to chill out. And, and, uh, and I got that. You know, for a while, it really bothered me at first because I was like, I, you know what? The way I preach is difficult for some people. But then I started having people coming up and saying, man, you guys, you really pushed me to do something. <laughs> and I started really praying about it, and I realized, I, I like that in uh, Hebrews 10, 24, the Bible says, to con let us consider how to spur one another into good works. And I realized that God has given me a spurring anointing, <laughs> which means I'm really, really annoying sometimes, but I keep things moving in a direction, amen? And, uh, and so I was really praying about that, and I really believe that this message is going to be a spurring message that is going to maybe get you a little bit like a, a horse kind of gets a little bit into the sides of you, but I want you to know it's because I love you and it's because I want you to run as fast as God has created and designed you to run, amen? And just so you know, it's not only in church I get this criticism at the, at the I work for the Navy and I get that a lot. They say, man, this guy's intense. Like he's just like screaming at people. And I say, yeah, man, because I want them to go faster. And uh, so I take what I learned over there and I bring it over into the church and sometimes it works for me and sometimes it doesn't, but we love each other. We're getting to know each other better and I'm happy about it. Um, I want to talk about passion and pursuit, and you know, I think it's good to talk about this because it's Labor Day weekend, and so, you know, a lot of people talk about New Year's resolutions, and they, they talk about how, you know, January 1st, this is what I'm going to start doing, but really, in my household anyways, the resolutions are most important right at the beginning of September, because the kids go back to school, everybody comes back from camp, everybody comes back from vacation, you kind of start to get back into like the swing of things, you know what I'm saying? Like I've been calling different ministries around Windsor and, and telling, you know, I got volunteers for this, and they go, call me in September. That's when we start our, we start our programs in September, call us in September. And um, I really like how in Romans 12, verse 11, it's one of my favorite verses, the Bible says, to not be slothful in zeal, but to be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. And I really believe that one of the things that really drives us to be successful in this lifetime, to be able to build God's kingdom, 
is to not allow a slothful spirit to come up into our lives. And it's really easy, especially for us as Canadians, to really get slothful in the summer, you know? People say basically you, you work all, all winter to get the beach bod and then you destroy it on the beach and then you try it again in September, right? And it, it's really easy for us to, being a seasonal of a country, to really get slothful in the seasons of summer and then September we try to, we go, you know, we're gonna get better and we try and then it kind of fails and then December we try and then it fails and January we say New Year's resolution and then January January 7th, and you're like, okay, well, maybe next year, right? There's always another new year, <laughs> praise God. But I really believe that um, being fervent in spirit, not being slothful, that one of the greatest things we can do to really ensure that we don't have that slothfulness coming up is to continually uh, fan into flame and add fuel into the passion that's inside of us. And uh, Pastor Brian was uh, in prayer talking about Jeremiah 20, verse 9, where Jeremiah says, if I don't mention him, I don't speak any more of his name, in my heart's a burning fire, shut up in my bones, and I'm weary of holding it in, and I cannot. That is basically the statement of a man that's so passionate. You gotta understand here, Jeremiah was the lamenting prophet. He was the weary prophet. He was the tired prophet. The, 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 everything was, he, he had, up until this point in time, like when he's speaking, the context of this is that he had just been thrown in jail, he got beaten up by religious people at the time. They had beaten him up because of the way he was prophesying. They held him down. And, and you got this guy named Jeremiah who's just trying to do what God wants him to do. He's just trying to speak and say what God wants him to say, and he's getting beat up, he's getting arrested, things are not going well for Jeremiah, amen? You understand why he, he, the guy was always lamenting, he was always weary, God was constantly trying to tend to his soul because he had such a rough go, but when he starts thinking about just not doing it anymore, he realizes that the passion inside of him is so full of fire, the passion inside of him is so great that even in his depression, even in his weariness, even in his tiredness, even in his beatings, even in his arrests, even the trials and the tribulations, even in that, that he realizes it would be more difficult to stop spreading God's word. It would be more difficult to stop the spirit. It would be more difficult to stop releasing that gifting than it would be to just enjoy the life of comfort. Why? Because the guy had a fervent spirit after God's heart. He had a fervent spirit. He wasn't slothful in his zeal. Are you with me, church? And I really believe that that's how we should be as Christians is that the passion inside of us is so built up, it's so fueled up, it's so fired up that no matter what is happening to us, that would all be light in, in, in comparison to the power, to the, to, the, to the weariness that we would feel if we weren't doing God's work. Are you with me? It's a sense of urgency. That's what I always like to say in my household. Move with a sense of urgency. My kids walk around staring at the ceiling tiles all day long. I say, where are you going? Have a sense of urgency where you're going, praise God. So passion is something I believe is important in the life of the believer. Passion, and I wanna, I wanna show you guys something this here. Passion turns obligations into opportunities. Write it down if you need to remember that. Passion turns obligations into opportunities. Why do I say that? Because if a person is passionate about what they're doing, they'll never feel obligated to do it. You know what they say? They say, a good day of fishing or a bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. I watched Deadliest Catch. I question that one because I saw those guys over there. But, but they say, what they say? They say, uh, when you're doing something that you love, it's not an obligation. It's an opportunity. Now, what makes things what, what, what's so important about things being obligations versus being opportunities is that when something is an obligation, it's happening to you. When something is an opportunity, you are happening to it. 
Why is that important? Because if you believe that everything is happening to you, you will adapt a victim mentality into your life and you will feel that you have no absolute power or control over anything that's going on, that you are weary, that you are a victim of your circumstance, that everything you know, is happening to you and you are just the life's punching bag where all you basically do is go through the motions of getting through the obligations to get through the day. Oh, weary is me, weary is me. Like this is, you know, suffering for the gospel, blah, 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 and you have no real power or spirit or, or, or uh, a confidence. The Bible says to enter into his throne room of grace with boldness and confidence for he gives liberally. You understand that you can't walk into God's throne room of grace with boldness and confidence if you have a victim mentality over your life where you feel like everything just happens to you. Are you with me? And why do I say that? It's because when different things in our life start to become obligations and they stop being opportunities, we in fact become victims to what's happening instead of victors walking with God's power into a situation. However, when you see something as an opportunity for God to be, to be glorified, for God to use you, for you to be able to release the giftings he's put into you, when you start to walk into life as what do I have to do today versus what do I get to do today, you are entering into those situations not as a victim but as a person who is excited for what God is gonna make manifest in that situation. Are you with me? I'm telling you, that the spirit of the Lord exists inside of you so that the life does not happen to you but that you happen to it. You have become a victor not so that you are a punching bag but that's so that you can enter into a situation and put the gloves on. I'm gonna keep talking to you here today. And the reason why is because there's so many people that walk around the same mountains of a victim mentality and they feel like that is their burden to bear for as long as they should live it and this is what God's given them and this is my burden and this is what I have to do today and I'm suffering for the gospel, I'm suffering for grace and I'm doing it. Okay, maybe, but have a little bit of passion about what you're doing because listen, if you look at things as obligations, you're gonna miss the, you're gonna miss the climax, you're gonna mix, miss the peak that God could have used you in that situation because you're just allowing your flesh to be the thing that's, that's getting in the way of everything. It's stealing the joy out of what you're doing. Are you with me? You can't, you can't be joyful in obligation, but you can be in opportunity. When you realize that you were created to be part of something bigger than you are, that should give you some passion for it. Why? Because it's bigger than you, which means that God has to help you do it. If God gets to help you do it and has to help you do it, then that's a really exciting way to live your life. But if you only try to live in the things that only you can do, that's very boring and that's very minuscule and anybody else can do that. But if you live a life that God is, has to be the one that allows you to complete the destiny he's given to you, that is an exciting life. Are you with me? That should, burn some, that should bring some passion in. I, I've talked to preach this once or twice before, but when Elijah came to Elisha and he said, Elisha, God has a calling for you. He has an assignment for you. Elisha was in the fields farming and he says that when Elijah came to him and said, you're coming with me, what did Elisha do? It says he burned his plows and he sacrificed his cows. I'm telling you, Pastor Rick, I'm gonna write a book called Burn Your Plows and Eat Your Cows, okay? It's, I'm gonna do it. And why do I say that? It's because Elisha got so excited about what was happening, about the opportunity to be able to leave everything, that he sacrificed the cows, he burnt the plows, why? Because it was not an obligation for him to follow Elijah, it was an opportunity 
for him to follow Elijah. And so when he did that, it was a testimony to everybody around him about Elisha, the bald guy, who's going off to do big things with Elijah and going off and following God. You understand? But when something is an obligation, you're not going to be burning plows and eating cows when you feel like it's an obligation to do something. Why? Because you're going to think, as soon as I'm able to get out of it, I'm going to get out of it. You understand? And when you look at what God's calling you to do, and the whole time you're looking for the easiest way to get out of that thing, you're never gonna be able to move quickly in the, stream, in, the, in the direction that he wants you to do. Are you with me? Praise God. It's so quiet in here. It's supposed to be a good day. Have fun. Let's go. Passion turns your obligations into opportunities. Colossians 3, 23 says what? Whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord. Well, how do you work heartily for the Lord if you believe it's an obligation? Right? Because you understand that, you know, I love in the Old Testament, the Bible says, for it is, uh, obedience is greater than sacrifice. Why? Because opportunity is greater than obligation. You understand that Jesus went on the cross, what do we talk about? The passion of the Christ. We don't talk about the obligation of the Christ. Because how easy would it be for us to follow Jesus if we believed he was obligated to the cross? He wasn't obligated to the cross. Here's something you have to understand. Multiple times in the Bible, it says that Jesus saw people and he was moved with compassion. It says it multiple times, moved with compassion. When you look in the Greek in, the, in that time, that word compassion, when it talks about that, it literally means the guts of a person. It means the most inner parts of a person. So when Jesus, when, when the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion, what it literally means that his entire core, everything that's inside of him, the guts of inside of him was completely moved for that situation. It wasn't that he was moved by wind. He was internally moved, just like Jeremiah said, I'm weary of holding it in and I can't let it out. I have to let it out. You understand that Jesus did not see people as obligations. When Jesus went to the man, the, the demon-possessed man named Legion, if you look at what it is, he, he's, he's on a place, he gets into, with his disciples into a ship, he goes to that place, he meets the demoniac man, he sets him free, and then what does he do? He gets back in his ship and he leaves. You understand that when he went there, he was not obligated to go there, but he saw and heard of the opportunity of a person. Listen, church, if you wanna, be, if you wanna be, have an evangelistic heart, if you wanna spread the gospel, don't look at people as obligations. Look at them as opportunities for God's grace to act. Why? Because if you look at a person as an obligation, they're gonna feel like you've been obligated. And how can you tell someone about God's love if you're feeling like you're obligated to do that thing? If you're obligated to tell me, that severely devalues. Like, you know, if someone's paid to do something and they come do it, I heavily minimize what they're doing because I go, it's part of your job. But when someone enters into my life outside of their job, outside of their work, and they don't have to do something, and they do it, I look at that with way more value. Why? Because they don't, I'm not an obligation to them. They was just that there was an opportunity within my life that allowed them to kind of come into my life. Are you with, are you with me? And I believe that there's a lot of different things that things can turn into obligations and we miss the opportunity. In 2 Timothy 2, verses four and six, Paul's speaking to Timothy, he says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And it is a hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now this is the point I wanna talk about. Passion does not just come spontaneously. 
Fashion is not just a virus that mutates and, and, and multiplies and propagates inside of you. So it doesn't just grow over time. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 6, Paul says, For this reason, Timothy, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. Why is that important? Because if you wait to get passionate about something, you will never do anything. Are you with me? Listen, I, uh, I, I, I like to do really intense things. I get really bored with the mundane. I don't think I have ADD, but sometimes I wonder, okay? <laughs> I get really excited and I get really focused and I have to just stay super intense about something. And, 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 um, and I'm not putting down anybody if they have ADD. I'm, I'm telling you that, that I, I feel that way sometimes about stuff where, where I can just have uh, a lot of different things going on and then I will get super hyper-focused on just one thing, okay? And so one thing that, you know, I got into running for a long time and I just, I just had to run all the time and I was like getting my GPS and I was doing all of the different things. I was getting the Gatorade and I was trying all the different things and, and then recently I got into jujitsu and now I'm going like three, four times a week. My wife thinks I'm crazy. I'm all beat up and bruised. I look like I'm in a domestic. I'm not. Everything's fine. But I'm getting beat up pretty badly. If I, ever have, I had a black guy a couple weeks ago. And, uh, but the, the thing is, is that I get passionate about it and so I go out and do it. And then I go out and learn about it and then I read about it and I, I practice and I figure out what am I doing wrong and I start to get really excited. But you know what happened is that uh, if I just sit there and read about it and think about it and read about it and think about it, eventually it'll start to fade out. I'll just get kind of bored. It just won't happen. I'll be looking for something else, okay? But the thing about passion is that when you start to fan into flame, when you start to look at different opportunities, when you start reading your Bible every day and you say, God, what? Do you, am I learning today? Like if you say, I'm reading my devotional from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. every day, that becomes an obligation because you go 8 a.m., start, read. 8.05, 8.07, round it up, right? And you get done, right? It's obligation. But when you enter into God's presence with an opportunity mindset of God, what are you speaking to me today? What are you showing me today? What do you want me to pull out of the word today? What is it that, that I can learn today? What can I add to my life? What happens is, is that you are fanning into flame the passion for God's word. You're fanning into flame an excitement for an opportunity. And so when you start to go into that thing, you're gonna take out way more value and you're gonna really learn and you're gonna really focus because you are passionate about what you're doing. Because you don't see it as an obligation. Praise God. So, Passion is the fire. Passion is the fuel. Passion is the thing that will make you go out and do something. It'll make you go out and kill something. It'll make you see obligations as opportunities. It will drive you to do things bigger, better, faster than you did them the time before, okay? And the second point I have is to have a spirit of pursuit. And they go hand in hand because you can't pursue anything unless you are passionate about it. When the Bible talks about that, Jesus leaves the 99 to pursue after the one. Why? Because he is passionate about the one. He loves the 99, but he's passionate about the one that goes away. And so he has a spirit of pursuit over that thing. And um, I, I believe that personality really comes when we start to have a really serious conversation about our intentionality and our purpose in our lifetime. Because when you know where you're going, you will be able to run fast in that direction. When I used to run, um, I don't run quite as much as I did, but when I used to run, I would sometimes say, I'm gonna run 10K today. But I wouldn't make out a path of my 10K. I would just run, and then when it was 10K, 
I would kind of try to time it so that I was getting back at 10K, right? And so I would kind of go start running and I go, oh, what time is it? Oh, it's one kilometer, okay, it's all right. Oh, it's one and a half kilometers, okay. Well, if I start turning around now, I start, doing, I start doing all the math, and you know what happened? I would never hit my goal because I basically just thought I'm gonna go wander around and hopefully I hit 10K by the time I get back. But it would never happen. But do you know what I started doing when I started planning my half marathon is I started taking maps and I started figuring out what roads do I have to run down to hit the 12K today? What roads do I have to run till I hit the 15? What roads do I have to run to hit the 21? And I stopped watching my watch to figure out how far I'd run. I just knew that I was gonna run this direction and that would equal my 21 kilometers. You understand that? I started to have intentionality and purpose into what I was doing because I was passionate for it. And once I took the passion that was inside of me for that thing and I started to apply intentionality and purpose to what I was trying to do with it, passion, intentionality, and purpose creates inside of you a spirit of pursuit to chase after the thing you're going for. Are you with me? Praise God, I feel like it's a TED talk here, but I'm telling you that these are spiritual concepts and I'm gonna show you here. I'm not trying to motivate you, make you feel good. I'm trying to tell you what God says to you about us, not so that you feel motivated to win, so that you go out and run because he's designed you to win. Are you with me? No one call me a motivational speaker. God is the motivator. The Holy Spirit is the motivator. I'm just reminding you what he said. Praise God. So, In 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24, Paul again talks about runners. And what does he say? He says, don't you know in a race all runners run, but only one receives the prize, so run that you may obtain it. What does that mean? Be intentional about what you're doing. Be purposeful about what you're doing. Be passionate about what you're doing. Run in such a way that you are planning to win. Nothing drives me more crazy than people who have a laissez-faire spirit over something that they say is their dream. Guy says to me, I wanna be a police officer. Say, awesome, are you working out? Well, no, uh, man, well, you gotta start working out because they run a lot, and are you running? Well, yeah, sometimes I, okay, awesome, are you eating right? Well, you know, okay, awesome, Did you, are you in college? Are you taking the law and security? Have you applied to OPP? Have you applied to the Windsor Police? Have you applied to the RCMP? Are you meeting other police officers? Are you trying to volunteer as a constable? Are you doing all of those things? Well, no. Okay, well, you might be passionate about it, but you have no intentionality, you have no purpose, you're not pursuing anything, and the passion you have means nothing because you're never gonna achieve that thing. Are you with me? I'm not picking on anybody here, okay. (laughs) But why I'm saying all of those things is because sometimes we can be passionate about something and it just fades out. But when we start to access things as opportunities, we go, I get to go running and get fit. I get to go meet some more police officers. I get to go to this class. I get to learn more about the trade. I get to connect with, I get to apply to. And you know what, it's gonna happen? (laughs) You are going to start reaching goals that you wouldn't have if you just sat there and thought about what you would wanna do. Praise God. Run in a way that you may obtain it. How do runners run? They don't always run when it's nice outside. They don't always run when they feel like it. They don't always run when their shoes are perfectly fitting that day. They don't always run when they're feeling super healthy. Do you know when they run? All the time. 
They always run. They run when it's windy. They run when it's cold. They run when it's hot. They run when it's raining. They run when nobody else is running. They run when the roads are a little salty and dirty and their shoes aren't going to look good. You know, they run when their, their music headphones aren't working properly. They run all the time. So what? So that they may obtain a prize. You understand, church, that it's so easy for us to have this mindset of doing something, but then we look at all of the different reasons why we aren't able to do that kind of thing. Right? It's going to get in the way or, oh, I was going to do it, but uh, I was going to do this, but maybe tomorrow. I was going to, are you with me, guys? Listen, when you have passion and you have pursuit, you don't look for the reasons why not to do something. You have a why not attitude to everything. Why shouldn't I do that? I love when Philip pursues the Ethiopian. It says that the Ethiopian was in the chariot and, and Philip was there and he saw him on the chariot and it says he chased after him and he got into the chariot and he starts telling him about the gospel. Now I want you guys to see something. Then he says, believe and be baptized. And then what does the eunuch say? Well, there's water, I'll go over there. What's stopping me from being baptized? And he says he was baptized that day. You understand, church, is that Philip had a spirit of pursuit which chased after the eunuch because he was full of passion to spread God's word. And then the eunuch got, got inspired and delivered and got the gospel. And then what did he do? He then had a spirit of passion rise up. And what's the first thing he does? He looks for water that he can chase after that because he wants to go get baptized. The spirit of pursuit is contagious. It's like, it's like the Forrest Gump where he just started running and everybody else just started running with him. Where are we running? I just started running. And then all of a sudden he's got all these people running with him. Why? Because the spirit of pursuit is contagious. Because it's so easy for us as Christians, us in the Western world, us living comfortable lives, whatever, to have this mindset of, it will come to me. But when you get this spirit of pursuit and passion that you will go out, it gets really exciting and you start leaving your house and you start doing stuff and people go, where's he going? I don't know, but I'm going too. You with me? You know, and... Um, I love how Paul, when he's talking to Timothy, every time he talks about spiritual principles, it's always very intentional, it's very fast, it's passionate, it's full of pursuit. First Timothy 6, 11, but you, man of God, flee these things. That's intentionally running. Pursue righteousness. Pursue godliness. Pursue faith. Pursue love. Pursue steadfastness. Pursue gentleness. Second Timothy, he's writing another letter. What does he say? Timothy, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness. Pursue faith, pursue love, pursue peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. What does he say? Pursue those things that God wants you to have and run away from those things that he doesn't want you to have. Why does he use flee and pursue? Because it takes a spirit of pursuit to bring you where you wanna be and to take you out of where the devil wants you to be. You gotta run. You gotta move, you gotta be quick, you gotta be passionate. You can't put off tomorrow what you could have been doing today. This is a, this is a concept that they're, put, they're talking about a leadership principle in business. My friend, this isn't a business principle, this is a spiritual principle that says don't wait till tomorrow what you could do today, why? Because tomorrow has problems of its own, but today has, has you know, tomorrow is God's problem, today is what I get to do right now. You with me? And I want to close with this. 
And then we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, I want to talk a little bit about tithing because I believe that passion and pursuit is something that really translates into giving and I believe for a breakthrough in our tithing and giving as a church. Um, but I want to close with this. Uh, and then I also have some exciting announcements about our reach out ministry and some cool stuff we've been sitting on for a while. Because if ever there was a time to push people to do something fun, it's after preaching about pushing people to do something fun. Praise God. I love, there's a story in 1 Samuel 30. Now David is leading the army and uh, they're out and they're doing the military campaigns and they come back to camp. Okay, so they've been out, they've been fighting, they've been doing different things, they've been following God. The army comes back to their camp and lo and behold, what they find is that the camp is gone. The camp's been burned down, the children are gone, the wives are gone, everybody's been abducted by the enemy. And David's army comes back home. Now, I, I, don't want, I don't know about you guys, but have you ever done something for God and then you came back and something was broken? <laughs> I, I was in Africa for a month last year and uh, I was in Uganda and we were running a project and, and I was feeling good, things were great, had an awesome time, we got everything done. It was, it's, I swear, I love to be is on the mission field. Came back and uh, you know, traveled for three days, wake up the next morning, go to start my car, my engine blows up. Praise God, right? Just went out, you fought the battle for a month, you come back and your car blows up. Oh, is this persecution, you know what I'm saying? Oh, everything's against me, you know, a suffering. Send me an angel, Lord, right? And, uh, and um, I remember thinking like, man, like, you know, really a, a, a bad time to hit me. Like, I just got back off the mission field, I'm just trying to get back into the swing, my car blew up, and she was not coming back. I could not lift that Lazarus, okay? That thing was gone and over. Um, and so I, I really think about this when he talks about, you know, they're out fighting the battle, they're fighting the good fight of faith, they come home, the tents are gone, all of the women and children, they've been abducted. And it says that the army starts looking at David and they go, we're gonna stone David. We're gonna kill the king, we're gonna kill the general, we're gonna kill this guy, we're gonna stone him because he took us out on a battle and then we came back and everything was gone. Okay, now David, being a little bit more, uh, you know, balance-headed, and probably thinking, I don't feel like dying today, went and prayed to God. It says he inquired of the Lord, 1 Samuel 30, verse 8. Now, David asked a very interesting question. He inquired of the Lord, shall I pursue after this band, after this army? Shall I overtake them? And God answered, pursue, for you shall surely overtake, and you shall surely rescue. And if you're writing notes down, you can write down three words. Pursue, overtake, and rescue. You know, it's so easy for us to have life happen to us. And when life happens to you, it's very difficult for you to have a spirit of pursuit. Because you just say, that's just the way it was meant to be. That's just the way it was gonna happen. I guess that's just the life I live. I guess that's just the way the cookie crumbles. You know, say la vie. You know, with my luck, blah, 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 right? And listen, David could have just said, well, trust God. I guess that's the lot we have in life. But what did he say? He prayed to God, and God said to him, pursue, overtake, and rescue. Yeah, I would say to you, church, that there are times when things happen to us that are no fault 
of our own. There are times when things happen to us that is not by our hand, it's in our lap. It's something that happened completely separate. We were doing the right things and the rains of life came. The Bible says that he caused the rain to fall on the just and the unjust, okay? So there are times when you are doing everything right and something comes and pulls the, 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 the carpet from out from under you. And it is so easy in those situations to blame God, to blame your leadership, to talk about how it was a mistake that you ever went and did that thing. If I never went to Africa, then the car would have been running every day and the engine wouldn't have blown up and I shouldn't have went over there because then this thing blew up. You're with me. Am I the only person who sees it like that? There are times when you realize that life happens and something got robbed from you by no fault of your own and the first thing we start to do is look at all of the reasons why it happened, why, who can we blame for this, who can we be mad about, who can we be bitter about, but there are sometimes times where you pray to God and God says, Hey man, you are more than a conqueror. You should go pursue after that thing. You should go overtake that thing because I have put inside of you a spirit that you can rescue that thing. There are people who go, I've lost these relationships. I've lost these people. I've lost this thing. I've lost this, you know, whatever is gone now. I would ask you, have you prayed and asked God yet if you should be pursuing after that thing because the Bible says that the devil comes to steal, to kill, and destroy, but that I have come that you might have life and have it in full abundance. And so when you start to realize that you've got a poverty mentality, you've got a victim mentality, and life just keeps on happening to you, and you are just a victim of the circumstances, you're just a victim of the conditions, you're just a victim of the, of the, of the parenting you had, you're a victim of the generation you had, you're a victim of the race that you had, you're a victim of your background, you're a victim of the job, you're a victim of the relationships, you're a victim of this, you're a victim of that. I would say to you, maybe it's time we stop looking at the reasons and the obligations and all of the things that are happening to us and we ask God for a second, should I be pursuing after the thing that has been stolen from me all my life? Because I'm telling you that the spirit exists inside of you that you don't sit around and cry over spilled milk but that you get up and you go get a cow. I'm telling you because God's promises are yes and amen and the things that got stolen from you, the Bible says that he can restore and he can redeem. I'm telling you the car I drive today is a lot better than the car that blew up after Africa. Are you with me? I'm not trying to give you guys this huge prosperity gospel here. I'm trying to tell you about spiritual principles that when God gets into your situation, when you stop having a victim mentality about everything that's happening to you and you start to get excited about the opportunity that you have in front of you, that God can show himself real and that you can go ahead and take more than what was stolen. You can pursue after the things that were taken from you and you can overtake the enemies that said that they were bigger and better than you. Why? Because God is walking with you and your tests and your issues become testimonies because of what God's faithfulness can do in situations where everybody else would cry about it and you get to go out and win. Are you with me? Pursue takes a spirit of passion that says, I'm not gonna let my children be stolen by the enemy. I'm not gonna let my, my happiness and my joy be stolen by the enemy. I'm not gonna, I might have been doing something good for God and something hit me, but I'm not gonna allow that thing to steal the destiny and the calling and the vision and the things that God gave to me. I'm not gonna let him steal those things. I'm gonna take after that thing. I'm gonna catch up to it. I'm gonna rescue it. And you know what? I'm taking more than what he took from me. Are you with me? 
That only comes when you have a spirit of passion inside of you. Because if you're not passionate about what was taken away from you, you're never gonna run after that which was stolen. But if you are passionate about people that the devil stole, if you're passionate about relationships that the devil got into the middle of, if you are passionate about the visions and the dreams and the callings that were placed inside of you, ma'am, sir, at a young age that you've just let by to the wayside because life kept on happening to you, if you stir and fan into flame that passion, it will produce a spirit of pursuit to take off after the thing that got taken and you will be able to overtake and rescue it and bring it back and it will be a testimony to everybody else around about what happens when something gets stolen from you, that you're not a victim in this lifetime. Praise God. A life of fire starts with passion for the Lord and it is a fire that will propel you to take land, to take relationships, to take people, to take resources, to take those things that the devil stole and to bring them back and to redeem them back and to restore them back and to bring them home and to bring them back because God wants people back. That is why he leaves the 99 to go after the one because he is passionate and he has a spirit of pursuit for those things that the devil tried to steal. This is not just a principle that we look at in, in our careers. It's not a principle that we look at in our families. It is a believe, a principle that I have I, I started to apply into my tithing, into my giving. You understand that as a young child, we believe that uh, when I was a young child, we always talked about how we tithe our 10%. And it really became, in my life, an obligation. Can I be honest with you? Can I be really honest? It felt to me like an obligation. I would do the math, I would figure out my 10%, da-da-da-da-da, and I would give it. And you know what I realized? I realized that that was the worst way to give. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 verse 7, the point is this. I love how he says the point is this. It's like, thank you, I need that. What is the point? The point is this. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Each one must give as he decided in his heart. Catch this not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Because if giving is an obligation to you, you will never be cheerful to give. Are you with me? If, if, uh, if, God's, if, if giving and being obedient to God is just an obligation and it is an act of legalism for you, you will miss out on the opportunity that God gives us to allow him to work on our behalf by exercising our faith with our resources, which he's called us to steward. I love when Robert Morris says that we entrust God with our 10%, that we might have a blessed 90, as a blessed 90 is greater than a cursed 100. Are you with me? And what I realized is that when I started to, st when I stopped looking at giving into church, giving into ministry, giving as an obligation of my resources and my time and my energy, and I saw it as an opportunity to allow God to work in my life and to allow God to work with my resources and to exercise faith in one of the most practical ways as a Christian, I started to become cheerful to give. It wasn't the last thing at the time of the month. It's the first thing I do when I get paid. Are you with me? And so we're, gonna, we're taking the tithe. If you wanna give today, if you, if, uh, you wanna sow into the house, if you're from another church and you're from another body, praise God, uh, your, your tithe belongs with your local church. But if you're a member of this church and you want to give, you're able to give by sending an e-transfer to info at i9church. You can even mail it or drop it off at uh, 2427 Timbercrest. We are a Canadian charity. We have, a, we have the ability to give tax receipts for all of those things. 
But I want to tell you guys, and this is something I've been saying from the beginning, and I'm sure I shouldn't say it, but if you are not excited to give, please don't give in a spiteful, obligation way. We don't want that. We want you to be blessed. We really believe that. If a person said to me, I'm giving you 10 bucks because you manipulated me to do it, but I don't really want to, praise God, here's 10, and here's 10 from me, so you come back next Sunday. You with me? Why? Because giving is a principle that comes from abundance, and giving is a principle of a blessed spirit, and it comes from a cheerful heart, and I'm telling you guys that I don't want you to miss anything. I really don't want you to miss it. God's goodness is so good that when we start to take his goodness and his obedience and we start to bring it down to a legalistic thing, we really devalue and we really, uh, we really poison a beautiful, beautiful thing that God created that we might be successful and blessed in this lifetime. Are you with me? Please give with a cheerful heart. And so, um, Lord, I'm, I'm gonna pray for this message. I'm gonna pray for the tithe. Um, it is an act of worship, so we're gonna pray for that. And then I, I just keeping you for two minutes for two Quick announcements before you go. Father God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for this house. I thank you, Lord, that in all things, in our giving and in our living, Lord, that we have a spirit of passion and pursuit for your, for your word, for your life, for the visions that you've put into us, Lord. I thank you that we walk in great abundance, that we live a blessed life, Lord, because you are the king and you are the Lord over our lives, over our houses, over our communities, and over our workplace. You are Lord and King over our nation and over this world, Lord. We thank you that we worship you in spirit and truth. We worship you in how we live and how we give, Lord. We thank you that we are the head, not the tail. We thank you that we have abundance in every area of our life and you cause us to fulfill the destiny that you've created us to fill, Lord. Your word says that before we were knitted in the womb, you knew us and by knowing us, you knew exactly what you had desired and destined us to do, Lord. We thank you for those opportunities that we have to sow, those opportunities that we have to serve, those opportunities that we have to reach, those opportunities that we have to love, to spread the gospel, to go and chase those things that may have been stolen, to go out and overtake the enemy that has been working against us and to rescue the lost, to rescue the prodigal, to rescue that which people said has far gone, that's never coming back, Lord. We thank you that nothing is too impossible for you, Lord, that you are the God of the impossible, that you are the provider, that you are the rescuer, that you are our banner, that you are in our midst, that you go before us, that you come behind us, and that you walk beside us through this lifetime. Lord, we thank you that we are more than conquerors. We thank you that you have defeated the enemy and that you work and move in our lives. We thank you what you're doing in us, through us, and for us. We thank you for the giving of this house. We thank you that you've never seen the righteous forsaken nor your children scratching for bread, Lord. We thank you that you cause and multiply our seed to go further, Lord. We thank you that you bless our 90, which goes further and farther than the 100, Lord. We thank you that it is not a sacrifice for us to give, but it is obedience to sow back to your kingdom that which you've allowed us to steward in this lifetime. We give you the glory, the honor, the praise, and we bless your name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Praise God. I wanna close with this. Actually, I hate to tell you this, but we've got a very severe wild animal on the loose. And uh, we want you to hide your kids. <laughs> we got something very serious. Is the sound team ready? We got, uh, we got reports about, there we go, let's go.
Praise God. So September 24th, Safe Families Canada, which is an amazing Christian organization that operates here in Windsor as well as throughout North America, is having their uh, Family Fun Day on September 24th. This is going to be an excellent time to reach out. It's going to be an excellent time to bring your kids, your grandkids, your nieces and nephews. They're going to have uh, games and rides. It's going to be over at uh, Heritage Park from 11 to 3. Uh, and so I've been met with the director, and so we are going to sponsor uh, uh, a dinosaur to run from our church, um, and they're going to be uh, dinosaurs from multiple churches and businesses that are going to be racing each other, and so we're encouraging the congregation to come out. Um, if you want to volunteer, we need people to help run the rides and the games, to do some barbecue and grilling. It's going to be a really fun day, but it's really going to be a great opportunity um, to show the love of God for people and to really uh, uh, help raise money for a really great cause. They work on behalf of the families. They try to work proactively to try to, uh, to so that CAS doesn't have to get involved. CAS is, a great, is good. They're reactive, though, whereas Safe Families is a proactive Christian organization that shows the love of God and tries to get uh, there before the government gets involved. Okay, um, so if you're interested in volunteering, praise God. Uh, our reach out team I, is, uh, we're bringing a bunch of volunteers. Uh, I'm gonna be there. Um, if you're interested in volunteering, come let me know. I'll let you know what our, our uh, options are. It's September 24th, it's a Saturday. Um, but if you can't volunteer, please come. Bring some family, bring some kids, have a burger. Uh, it's gonna be an awesome time. Uh, it's, gonna, it's a great cause and this is really gonna be our, our big kickoff for the school year with our reach out ministry team, evangelizing. We got some shirts made up, so it's going to be awesome. Uh, and finally, uh, soft launch. We're letting everybody know that in February, I-9 is going to be running our first mission trip over to East Africa in February 2023. So I'm going to be taking a team of people. Uh, if you're interested in getting more information about that, let me know. And as we get more information, I'll start to funnel you that info. We're taking between 12 and 13, 14 people. Um, it's going to be with Global Harvest Ministries. It's going to be in northern Uganda. So a lot of the things that I show you that we put on Facebook, all of that stuff, you will be able to get your hands on what I-9 has been sewing into for so long. Um, it's going to be at the house that I lived at. It's safe. Uh, it's where I lived. It's the mission field, but it's going to be a great time. We're really excited about it because when a lot of people are coming inwards, we believe that the church is going outwards. Praise God. So if you want to get interested in uh, reach out for September 25th, 24th for Safe Families Fun Day, if you are interested in getting more info about our mission trip, or if you would like to get involved here at I-9 Church, we have lots of opportunities within our children's ministry, within our ushering team, within our sound and AV team. We've got lots of opportunities to allow you to have a spirit of passion and pursuit in your life and to serve the good work that's happening here and abroad. Amen? Have an awesome day. You are dismissed. God loves you and so do you we. See you later. Welcome to the After Nine show. I am Sarah. This is my friend, my best friend on the entire planet, Angelina. I almost said Joseph Workman. <laughs> and for the first time ever, Rosie Workman. Oh, right.
<laughs> she came, she joined us. So um, yeah, if you guys don't know what this is, this is basically us reenacting what it would be like if you're here with us today after service, wanting to talk to your friends about what you learned during the message today. Mm -hmm. So if you didn't watch the message and you just tuned in now, take your little dongle boy and put it all the way to the other side and then watch that and then come back and talk to us. Cause we got Pastor Dave Pistonese joining us in a few minutes. So yeah, Ange. Amazing message yes. today. Yeah. I don't know. I'm going to leave more passionate today and reminding myself not to have a victim mentality and be and a victor. I think it's really good. And I, I'm one that does that kind of stuff. Well, I'll be like, okay, I have to do this now. And it's like, or like, this is happening to me. Yeah. Like there's yeah. pieces of my job that I, I'm not super crazy about, but it's like, I'm, I'm trained and educated to do them. So Pastor Brian, I'll be like, will you do this? I'm like, okay. Then you go, what do you have left to do? And I'm like, well, I have to do this still, and I have to do... And it's like your words, right? I really think they really take a toll on your heart and your yeah. attitude going into things. Yeah. As like, I get to um, make a form <laughs> that will be very involved and takes me like hours to make. But it's for the betterment of the church. <laughs> yeah. And even when it comes to like just like things that we've gone through in our lives and reminding ourselves that we can take authority over that those things that we can take with the enemy stolen and then some like yes. we have that ability to do that and we're the only ones stopping ourselves That's right. from from not receiving what God mm -hmm. has for us right so and i think it's i think motivating. it's just, it like Pastor yeah. Michael said, um, you aren't letting, or how did you say, it's not, you're not just walking through life or you're letting life happen to you, but you're happening to life, you know, yeah. like you're seizing the opportunity to, um, like, it's not the obligation, it's the opportunity. Yeah. I remember I watched a movie. What was it? Oh my gosh. Tim Allen was in it. Jungle to Jungle. Oh, okay. Have you ever seen that movie? No, I haven't. Basically no. he has a son. He was raised in like the Congo or like a different place and then he came into the city and he's like i can't i can't spend time with you today i have an obligation i have to go he's like oh well is spending time with me an obligation mm -hmm. and then it was this whole thing about obligation was like i'm not present i'm not here for you i'm here because i have to be mm -hmm. and that's i i think like what pastor michael's saying that's not how we should approach yeah anything because we're we're not just here because we have to be but we're here because we've been called here yeah hey are you ready to come on in pastor dave yeah come on in Standing in the shadows. You can stand right in the middle. You want me in the middle? Yeah. Right here. I want to see your baby. It's not my baby. It's her baby. Hi, baby. <laughs> Isn't she How great? You? you did a good job. Thank you. <laughs> what did you get out of the message today, Pastor Dave? I thought the message was very good. I thought the whole church service was very good. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was very Fair good. And I, uh, mm -hmm. I, I enjoyed the talk at the beginning about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They're talking about all the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. And uh, there's one thing I would just would like to say, then I'll get into the message today. Sure. But um, There was three signs present on the day of Pentecost. Uh-huh. There's the wind, and there was the fire, and there was men speaking in other tongues. Yes. Mm -hmm. The wind and the fire were signed to them that the promise of the, uh, of the baptism of the Holy Spirit had finally arrived. Yes. It, that the wind and the fire were signs to them that the Holy Spirit finally arrived. The promise that they were waiting for it finally came upon them. Came when they spoke in other tongues. That was the sign that they received it. Yeah. You know. And so we have a lot of people with a lot of problems about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and a lot of people 
sit dormant in the church because they can't get past that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They just can't get past it. But the bottom line is, if you have a passion for God and you want to pursue God, you need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need that. And the gift of the Holy Spirit is the empowerment gift that God gives to us to pursue the work in his kingdom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and if you don't if you don't have that, you won't have the oomph. You won't have the the power to pursue what God wants for you. Mm -hmm. And if you think of all the people that have powerful ministries today and you say to them, have you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Every one of them would say yes. You know, there's not a one that would say, no, I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. You know, it just, so I want to pursue God. I want purpose in my life. Yeah. I want to pursue the work of God. And to do that, you know, you need to pursue the baptism of the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. what God has for you. I love that. You know? Yeah, and something Pastor Brian says too when it, in regards to speaking in tongues is that it, there's, there's the three purposes. It's for edification, to unify the body, and to increase our intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So it's those three things too that are really important to us as a church. And I think that when we, am I right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, you're looking at me like I have a cafe new gate. But um, basically when it comes to the, like speaking in tongues, I think it's, a, some, it's a something that it's definitely out of our comfort zone, but when it comes to, like, as humans, you know, but when it comes to stepping into that, it increases our walk with God tenfold, mm-hmm. hundredfold. Absolutely. Thank you. Here's, here's the thought, okay? We see, we see, if you understand this and remember this, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a New Testament term. It's not found in the Old Testament. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's important for us to know that. Mm-hmm. So it's a New Testament term. And so, but however, the Holy Spirit had many uh, manifestations and came upon people in many different ways in the Old Testament. Since he came upon so and so, you know, the Holy Spirit filled him yep. and, and filled many people, you know. Mm-hmm. But the term baptism of the Holy Spirit, not found in the Old, only found in the New. But the Bible says Jesus filled Old Testament people with gifts of the spirit to help build the temple yeah, yeah. okay he gave some the ability to, to work with silver and some the ability to work with gold yeah. some as stone builders they could cut stones and lay down stones and all that stuff and some as carpenters he didn't have anybody with computer skills well <laughs> no. it's been fun guys <laughs> okay so he you he gave, and then he says of one man he says he filled him with all manner of workmanship. What do we call that guy today? He's a... Like a contractor? He's a, he's a jack of all trades. Dave Workman? <laughs> he was a jack of all trades. He was filled with all manner of workmanship. Yeah. You know, and that was to do the work to build the temple. God wants us to build his church and have a passion to build his church. <laughs> We can't get past the baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's good. That's good, Pastor Dave. We can't get past that. Yeah. Yeah. So how are we going to jump into the next phase if we can't get past that? Yeah. yeah. So what? if we're not past it, we're a critic. Mm-hmm. I was a critic for a long time. I hate to, I hate to say this, but I was a critic for a long time. Mm-hmm. I would sit in the church and I would criticize. i say, what is this? Yeah. I, I wouldn't verbally say it, but I'd look at it and say, these people are cookie. They're nuts, you know. And I would talk like that to myself during the service, you know. Yeah. 
and then I would see things that I would criticize. I'd be a, I, I was just a critic. Yeah. If you're not pursuing the work of God in your life, mm -hmm. you're a critic. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You criticize. And so, uh, man, oh, man, I don't want to be there. I want to be. You're I fired be, up. Huh? You're fired up. Yeah, I want to be filled with all manner of workmanship yeah, yeah. to build his church upon the earth. Yeah. One last thing. Okay. Jesus was commissioned by God to go after the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Yeah. He was commissioned to go after the backslider. That's why he went to the, on that trip, you know, and through Samaria. That's why he's, he did many different things. He was after the back. He was fulfilling his commission. Yeah. His commission was the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He commanded the apostles to do the same thing, mm -hmm. to go after the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, did, did he have a passion for the lost sheep? Oh, yeah, he yeah, did. He did. Mm -hmm. yeah. Just a thought. Just a thought. That's good. That's good, Pastor Dave. I like it. When it comes to, like, what Pastor Michael was saying about um, things that we need to be passionate for and that it's not obligation, but it's an opportunity, like, what are some things, I know that what you said about the Holy Spirit and taking that into account really helps us in pursuing the uh, opportunity to build the church, but what are some things that you can say in life that was an obligation but became an opportunity? Does that make sense? It is a hard question. That was an application, but became an opportunity. Like you had to change it. Like it's something that you were like, okay, I have, like has evangelism always been easy for you? Or like, you know, you know what I'm trying to say? Was it an obligation or was it always an opportunity for you? You know what? I, I felt obligated a, a lot of times, but I, I looked for opportunity. Knew, I knew when the door opened. For an opportunity and when i walk through that door things begin to happen yeah that's good you know, so initially it's always kind of hard right the enemy's always kind of like i don't want you to do that thing like you oh, have yeah, to there's do al it there's always resistance and then yeah. when you feel the holy spirit move you're like yes this yeah. is it yeah. right when the holy spirit i learned to recognize the doors yeah you yeah. know uh, i'll give you an example okay okay you walk into a an appointment and um, there's only one person in the room, and it's supposed to, you're supposed to be there for 9 o'clock. You're right on time, and nothing's happening. Mm -hmm. okay? You're waiting. And so, you know, you're going, what, what's going on here? Like, you know, I, I've been here since 9 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and so you want to chew somebody out, you know, and you're sitting there. And there's this person sitting over there. Yeah by themselves you know they're just sitting there and they're kind of like you know not saying nothing and i want to i want to talk to somebody in charge here i want to tell them they're running their business terrible and the holy spirit says to me do you see that lady right there I said, yeah what about her um she really needs a word from god she needs it she really needs someone to talk to her mm -hmm. and lead her into the path of of, of christ ah mm -hmm. oh, i'm missing it yeah totally miss this is a great opportunity i'm alone with a person in a room yeah and all i gotta do is open my mouth and sometimes sometimes god will open their mouth yeah mm -hmm. and they'll start talking to you mm -hmm. 
and the door of opportunity will open. Yes. And you'll and you'll see God work. I've seen it happen a thousand times. You yeah. know. That's awesome, Pastor Dave. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Hey, yeah. you're fired up. I'm glad you came on the show today. <laughs> hey, we've Get been talking about fire there. today a lot. What's that? Yeah. Fire has been fire. a theme today. Uh, well, hey, God, you know, God wants to fill us all with all manner of workmanship to yeah. build his church yes. today. That's right. Yeah. That's Amazing. what he wants to do, you know. So, That's awesome. And we're here for it. We're here for it. We're here to see it happen. Yeah. We're here to see God move. And we have people like Pastor Dave who have started the foundation for us to be able to build our church off of, right? So we love you, Pastor Dave. I love you too. Reminder that tomorrow is Labor Day, so that means no gallery and no lighthouse tomorrow. Okay. Um, but we will see you guys on Sunday. Um, September 12th, right? Yeah. Awesome. No, 11th. <laughs> All right. I don't know. You know what? We'll see you next Sunday. Okay. Have the best day of your life. I'm Sarah. We have Pastor Dave Pistonese, Angie Workman, and the love of my life, Rosie Workman. Love you, uh, have the best day of your life. Yeah. <laughs>